to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. And welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. Today's guest is cultural strategist and owner of the General Store, Inc., as well as founder of the Ashi Fund. Please welcome Sahat Walker. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Sahat, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, sis. Uh, let's start. Let's go from the beginning. So Sahat, where does that name come from? Uh, Sahad is Egyptian for lady of writing and daughter of time. And yeah, so I, that's not my legal name. I changed my name years ago mm. to that when I was fully in the writing life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just use it ever since. Awesome. <laughs> my mother doesn't call me that, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So speaking of uh, family, so you're originally from Chestertown, Maryland. It's a fishing and farming town in the (laughs) eastern shore of Maryland. How was life growing up in the eastern shore versus city life living in D.C., your current location? Oh, yeah. So I grew up in a house with my mother, my grandfather, and her seven brothers and sisters. Wow. Wow. Um, And then when my mom got into Delaware State University, I ended up living with her in her dorm. Oh, wow. Um, And her sorority sisters would watch me and all that stuff. Um, And yeah, life was very slow. We had an outhouse. Mm. Um, So literally, we had to go outside to use the bathroom. Um, My folks from Enfield, North Carolina, so I know all about that. (laughs) That smooth seat. Yeah, (laughs) we had a water pump. We had to pump Mm -hmm. water. Um, We had a farm. Uh, My other grandfather, when my mom got married to my stepfather, uh, he had a pig farm. Mm -hmm. So I used to help my grandfather with his pig farm. Yeah, (laughs) I had no idea we had so much uh, in common on that side of things. My um, my my grandfather uh, on my mother's side from um, from Enfield, North Carolina, like I mentioned, uh, yeah, used to raise hogs and all of that. So um, it's amazing how you see some of the things they do and you still yeah. would line up for a plate of bacon. No problem. <laughs> no problem. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so during that, um, that experience, um, you mentioned writing. So did writing um, was your first introduction to the arts? Um, I think craft was because my mother always made stuff. Um, and then both my grandfathers and my stepfather are carpenters mm-hmm. and they just always were like makers. Um, so that was like my first introduction. And then writing was more so in middle and high school. Mm-hmm. I started getting into uh, writing for the school paper and writing poetry and creative writing. Awesome. I read that you, um, you like to, you've been volunteering um, for, since you were very young, mm-hmm. um, very much involved in community service, um, you know, wanting to support and provide um, services and programs to your community um, and being active. Why is that so important to you? Um, I think it just came from my uncle, my uncle Vincent. Um, he was always like doing something in the community And I was like, what does that mean? You know, um, 
he was a busybody, I guess you could say, and he's always wanted to help people. Mm. And I'm an empath and I'm just naturally, that's just part of who I am, just wanting to help. So between, you know, watching him be who he was and helping our community in Chestertown and then growing up, seeing my mom like volunteer um, to help blind kids. Mm -hmm. I used to go with her to do that. And then just like naturally just wanting to help. I don't know. That's just where it came from. And so after upon graduating from high school, you um, you obtained a bachelor's from uh, let's see here. It is um, in Pennsylvania. It's I always throw it off. It says Indiana, but it was actually yeah. a school in Pennsylvania. And yeah. so and you it's d- IUP, exa- uh, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Exactly. And so um, from there, you studied uh, journalism as well as um, political science. Yes. So tell us and about- I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us I was about- like, What's you know, love I loved writing. Um, I couldn't figure out how else to make money through mm-hmm. writing. So I was like, oh, I'll just study journalism. But then I realized, like, you don't make money in journalism <laughs> either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hated it. And by the time I graduated, I mean, I graduated with that degree, but I didn't work in journalism right away when I came to D.C. Mm-hmm. I actually worked for a large nonprofit that helped homeless people. Okay. Um, and then from there, I started working at NCNW, not to get all into my early life here, but <laughs> no, <that's-> um, <laughs> I started working uh, for Dr. Hype. Oh, um, okay at NCNW and that was like a whole life transformation. Um, and then after that, I started getting into journalism. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that time with Dr. Height, um, for those that don't know, um, Dr. Height, um, very much in DC, DC politics, DC community, would you say that sort of um, drove you to doing more in the community which you live? Oh, definitely. Especially for black women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned early on because NCNW was basically ran by black women. Mm. Um, and just watching them and watching how they were able to mobilize and help nationally mm-hmm. uh, on national issues. So that was like a big thing for me coming from a small town. I had never seen volunteerism at that level and community activism at that level. Mm -hmm. So it definitely changed my life. And just how like they fundraised and how they communicated with the community, how they rolled out their different campaigns. Um, I worked in development there. So I was part of all the campaigns that they rolled out. Um, so I was like, it's amazing looking back. Cause I was like, I was part of history, like yeah. working right. for Dr. Height, um, and all those old elder black women. It was just like a crazy time. Wow. That's why so. it's so, it's so wonderful to hear. Um, and we'll talk more about, um, the Ashi fund, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, your experience working with, in the nonprofit sector and building up community as well as focusing on, particularly women of color and black women mm-hmm. um, programs for black women supports for black women. Um, yeah. It's definitely something, you know, for those of you that are in the DMV area to definitely, you should look into and, and really seek her out because 
she's phenomenal. Um, You've done event planning, you've done art direction, um, you've done um, writing, as you mentioned. Do you have a favorite? A favorite, what, like creative outlet? Yeah, creative outlet. No, (laughs) all of them. I love love and enjoy all of them. I I can't pick just one. Got you. What would you say, um, considering the times that we're in right now, because uh, it seems like a lot of folks have either clamped down and kind of went all into the one that they typically are focused on, and then others have kind of been limited in one space, but then shifted to another one. So what's the one that you've been um, spending more time, I guess, doing these days? Um, I'm just trying to balance, like, just having peace, Mm. You know, and the creative muscle is always there. So I'm always wanting to make stuff. So I think like craft, Mm -hmm. um, making things out of random things I can find, like junk art. um, That's become like a big thing that I've been doing lately and some writing, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And just managing my various ventures, you could say. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think like making things and I'm getting more into like collage art, um, video art. I love mm-hmm. video art. I really want to get more into that. And, you know, once we're out of this, I want to get into building sets and do right. set designs for concerts. That'd be dope. Yeah. Which is a perfect segue because you actually in uh, 2014 obtained a BA, an MA rather, in design management from SCAD, from Savannah College of Art and Design. Want to talk to us about that whole experience and what you learned and what you got out of that experience? Oh, yeah, that definitely changed my life. Um, I had never heard of design management. Um, My friend Karen told me about the program. It was a two-year program. We did it all online. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were like the guinea pigs of that program. We were the first. And basically design management is like using design strategies and processes um, to create with innovation in mind and progression in mind. Um, And it just blew my mind, like the whole design thinking world and what that was. And like, hey, I've always done this, like making something out of nothing and making something beautiful or making something functional Mm. um, and making sure that it's inclusive and it works for people. It's helping people. I've always done that, but I didn't realize there was an actual name for it until I enrolled in SCAD. Nice. Yeah. That's great. And then additionally, recently you completed the MOMO Modern Art and Ideas course. Why do you think um, professional development for artists and for, you know, for individuals, you know, in general, Mm -hmm. why do you think professional development is so important to you? I mean, simply because life is always changing. Um, Industries are always changing, especially uh, creative industries. So I think you just got to stay in the know. And you're always, you should always be in a mindset to learn um, and and gather knowledge. It's just simply that. Absolutely. You know, uh, that's something that uh, I think I first like heard the term lifetime learner uh, when I was working in education. And, um, you know, so I always find it interesting when I meet people who are kind of just setting their ways, uh, not realizing that, you know, like uh, 
it's a part of being a human being is like evolving. Right. And so, yeah, I think, I mean, just in the period of time that we've known you, um, to see all of the different ventures that you've taken on and, um, and like, uh, different projects, um, you know, like the collaborations as well. Like you're, you're a person like us and like a lot of our creative friends who seems to have, um, a huge, uh, network. And so just kind of piggybacking off of the idea of evolving, like how, how important has collaboration been, um, to that process as well? Oh, it's super important. It's definitely important to my process um, and the design management process. Like you have to engage other people that don't think like you, don't work like you and have other perspectives Mm -hmm. Um, that makes the whole creative process better, Um, better for everybody involved. Everybody's learning from each other. You're gaining all kinds of different knowledge, mm. skill set, um, and it's just good to work with people. You don't mm-hmm. sometimes in being a creative, you feel alone a lot of times in your own little bubble. Um, and I'm already like a loner <laughs> a lot of times, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I have to force myself to be like, no, like I know Rachelle can like make this, like mm-hmm. let me involve her in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I want to see our people like thrive. So I'm always putting that at the top. Like that informs everything I do. Like how can my network benefit from what I'm doing? So that's where my collaborative perspective comes from, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell us about uh, the general store, which you created. Is it true? Is it 2005? That's when you yeah. first launched it? Yeah. So tell us about that and, and your mission with pushing the general store forward. So it's changed. Um, when I first started, um, it was me doing PR for music artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of fell into that. Like local indie artists around D.C. didn't have a way to like communicate their releases and stuff. And I was writing at the time and I was like, I can probably offer this as a service. And then people wanted to pay me. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely doing this. (laughs) 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 So then I started doing PR, um, like I said, for different artists. And then I started working with different organizations and trying to help them through their creative processes or just growing, Mm -hmm. helping organizations or creative organizations and creative people to grow. Mm -hmm. And that was the mission at the time. Um, But now I'm kind of aligning the General Store Inc. with the Ashi Fund, Mm -hmm. which is basically helping black women creatives grow, um, connecting them with resources, brands and opportunities. Founded in 2019, the Ashi Fund is a microgrant for women of color creatives um, in a form of, uh, you know, funds. And like you mentioned before, resources. Um, how do folks get to know about the Ashi Fund? Where can they find it? Um, they can go to the website, theashifund.com, um, and just explore the website. They can definitely email me. Um, right now, because of the virus and everything, I have changed the mission um, to, I created a database, uh, a mutual aid database for black women creatives in need. Mm-hmm. And so people can donate directly to women on those, 
on the database. Oh, wow. So nice. That's what I've been doing since the virus hit. That's awesome. Um, so I'm not really focused on the actual micro grants this, the rest of this year. I'll probably start that up next year, okay. but that is the focus, just helping women that are struggling right now. Directly. That's great. And that's something that a lot of folks aren't doing or haven't done. So mm-hmm. that's a great um, resource. I'm surprised it's been working. Um, and I actually, I had like 26 women um, that filled out the database and I think about 19 of them have their requests have been fulfilled. Wow. That's so awesome. Yeah. And it was like between like, you know, I just need $200 to $1,500. Wow. And if you, you know, once you fill it out, what I would do is send out the database list, Mm -hmm. um, to my network like twice a month. And so that people can directly send the money to the women. Wow. Um, they would put their cash app or however they want to be paid on there. I did not want to be a third party. Right. Mm-hmm. But if people still wanted to donate to the fund, they would. And then I would take whatever money that did come to the fund and send it to the women as well. Right. That's so awesome. that's what I'm doing too. Oh, that's so good. Such important work. Thanks. Um, I'm just waiting for our daughters to grow up and be like, you need to go holler at Auntie Sahar. <laughs> yeah, Get on that I website and fund these projects, baby. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Um, going back to community, you're also an author. You wrote um, Fill That Space, A Resident Guide to Creative Placemaking. Um, you wrote this in, back in 2014. Um, can you speak to the importance of not only community building, but um, creative place making. Yeah, so I, I did that book after I was part of a creative place making project. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a grant for my neighborhood to do, well, me, my friend Kim and Donna got a grant, um, $75,000 to create I think it was like three months or something, I don't even remember. It was It was a doozy, but Um, programming every single weekend in our neighborhood. Mm. And that's not a lot of money. Um, If you're talking about three months and you're talking about paying people, you're talking about reserving space and all this stuff that we didn't know about. So at the end of it, I was like, I need to write a guide because creative placemaking was becoming popular at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, as a resident, if an artist is coming into my neighborhood, they're part of a creative placemaking project. Like I want to know how I can get involved. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to kind of lead the effort because I live here. Um, So those notions were not made uh, aware to us. Um, Except, you know, while we were going through the process, we didn't know anything. So I made that guide for other people. Um, to learn what it really is and how you as a resident can lead a creative placemaking project in your own neighborhood. Like you don't need the government. You don't need any outsider help. You could do it yourself because every neighborhood has an artist. Right. Every neighborhood. And how would you define creative placemaking? For those that don't know, how would you define creative placemaking? It's basically creating uh, creative spaces Mm -hmm. within your neighborhood um, but a lot of development real estate companies kind of utilize that, like murals or public art, right. 
Um, they use it to gentrify, but you know, if you live in a neighborhood and you want to see better for your neighborhood, maybe there's an abandoned building and maybe you want to turn that into an art studio or maybe there's a field that has trash on it and maybe y'all want to turn it into a playground. That's creative placemaking. It's like creating beauty um, in your neighborhood. That's it. In addition to everything that you've accomplished, you have an extensive client list. You've worked with the Smithsonian, the Halcyon Arts Lab, the Kennedy Center, the D.C. Public Library, Washington Performance Performing Arts Society, the D.C. Commission of the Arts and Humanities, WACIF, DSLBD, and many, many others. Do you, Showing off. <laughs> do, do you have a wish list of clients you would like to work with that you haven't? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to I work internationally. Mm-hmm. I would love to work with uh, Black Rock Senegal. Oh, yeah. I want to do more stuff in Africa. I've only been to one country in Africa. That was Ethiopia. Mm. So I definitely want to only go back. One. Just um, only one country in Africa. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, um, so many other But yeah, I want to work with Black Rock Senegal. I want to work with some like museums and some other organizations all over the world. That is, you know, I can't name them all, but that's that's the goal. Yeah. To nice. be more international. And then you mentioned Ethiopia. So last year you traveled to Ethiopia via the D.C. Sister Cities grant. Uh, Tell us about that experience. Oh, it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I just love like that was my first time on the continent. That was my first time seeing like black people everywhere, Mm. like everywhere. And I was like, what? What is this life? Um. (laughs) So that was amazing in itself. And then we went there to get to know and interview and document the creatives, mm-hmm. creative people there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was dope. Like seeing them have their own creative hub and how that's growing. Um, the food, of course, was dope. Um, we went to some crazy spaces. Um, I just loved it. I just want to go back. I definitely want to go back to Ethiopia and I definitely want to go back to the continent, to other countries, but it was, it was a life changing. I shouldn't say life changing, but I felt like it was life changing experience. Just seeing like black people, like just chilling, Mm. just like, you know, I know they had their own struggles and things going on and the Chinese government was definitely everywhere. Mm. Um, But at the same time, it's just, when you step foot on that soil, it's just like a relief. Wow. It was just like a whole other feeling that I had never experienced. That's so dope. Yeah. So I know that you and your husband, Kokai, who uh, was a past guest on the show, um, have a lot of experience. You have a lot of success in obtaining grants. If you could offer any advice to our listeners um, like, uh, you know, folks who are interested in pursuing grants, but have really no experience whatsoever and don't necessarily know where to start. What would you uh, tell them? Um, I will say, well, for me, and I guess for us is like, when you do your first grant after you do it, like save everything if you can. Mm. Um, and that starts your first format. And mm. then after that, you have something, you have your own template to work with. Um, as you apply for other grants, no, all grants aren't the same, but you have a basis to start because the writing part is so hard. 
right. sometimes. But if you have those basic things, like, you know, they're always going to ask for a budget. You know, they're always going to ask, like, who your team members are. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always going to ask, like, for a resume. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you have all those things already in a file. So it's just like, boom, I got that already. Right. So now I got to focus on this long question. I have no idea what they're talking about, right. you know? So I would say that just like have all those basic things together. Start looking at grants, mm. um, even grants that you feel like you you probably would never get. Like just use it and practice it, like practice applying for them um, and just save everything. Yeah. Right. No, that's very important advice. We um uh, actually, just yesterday, we gave a, a workshop where I said the same exact thing as mm-hmm. like, pre- start preparing materials now so that mm-hmm. when you do apply, you already have most of the materials necessary that are needed. So. Yeah, because a lot of these grants are very tedious. And like I said, mm-hmm. they, they ask for the same things. Right. So if you already have all those basic things, then it's it just makes it more easier to do if you just have all those things in place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In our industry, um, social media has become very, very much um, the way of life. It's very important. However, um, you know, you make sure to save space for yourself. I mean, you've been quoted as saying, you know, um, social media isn't the enemy. It's simply a tool for my work. It's entertainment. It's night. It's not life. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about like, how do you balance between you know, promoting your, your projects or art, but then also saving space for yourself. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely practice. I definitely delete apps off my phone regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, cause it's just too much. And I'm already a feeling, feeling type of person. So I definitely have to manage my time on social media. I only use um, Instagram. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. I got off of Facebook ages ago. I've been over it. Um, but I'm still able to to manage my projects and my companies without it. Like I feel like with social media, you find what works with you, works for you. Because all the channels may not work for your type of business. Right. Um, so find what works for you and, you know, schedule. Schedule posts. I do that um, if I'm taking a break. Yeah, I just, and I'm, I let people know that I'm taking a hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just make sure your audience knows that. So they're like, okay, where she go? We don't, we're not seeing anything. Mm-hmm. Um. It's just very important for my own peace of mind. So I just delete Instagram on a regular. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm if I do have an event coming up, I know I have to be on it. That's fine. Then after immediately after the event, I will delete Instagram off my phone. Wow. So because seeing it, it's all like it's psychological. So if you see it, you're gonna wanna be on it. Yeah. Oh, you just want to going to want to be on it, whether you have something to do on it or not. It's right. just like and then seeing it and I make sure I turn the um, brightness down on my phone mm. 
because that's psychological too. So the brightness and then seeing all the apps there, it's like, look at me, touch me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, calling me. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard. It's hard. It is. You need to, you have to do it for your mental health. I make sure I try not to be on it so late. Mm. Um, you know, I make sure I have a time where I'm turning it off, even just my phone. Like I try not to be on the phone past 11 o'clock if I can help it. I try not to be on my computer past a certain time. You know, as you get older, <laughs> <laughs> sleep is very important. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so we're, we're, I, you know, I love sleep. I want to get it. So the best sleep for me is not being on the computer, like at least an hour before I go to sleep and having a ritual before you go to sleep, having a routine to wind down, mm-hmm. you know, from being on the computer, being in front of the screen, having a phone in your face, like it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I definitely find myself, uh, like struggling to get my mind to like, you know, my body is just like, Oh, we're ready. <laughs> we are ready. Lay your monkey ass down, <laughs> right? We're ready, but um, but my mind, getting my mind to settle, um, is usually the most difficult thing about going to sleep. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, like, because we were just talking about social media, are are there any um, any other apps or uh, or other services that you use to help you manage um, your social media just to keep you more organized? Um, I guess. Hootsuite. I okay. still, I'm old school. I still yeah. just use that to to schedule. Um, let me look at my phone because I don't, I don't remember. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like to manage, I have oh Google Keep. Yeah, Google, Google Keep, Keep is my yeah. life. Yeah, Google Keep is great. And I use that for my to be great list. I don't do to do lists. I do to be great lists because I'm like, if you get this stuff done, you're going to be great, girl. (laughs) So I use Google Keep and I make these big um, categories and I just throw my to be great list under the categories. Mm. Um, So I have like home, I have the general store, I have the Ashi fund, I have a personal one just for my Mm. personal care. Right. Um, And family. Yeah, so those are the main buckets I have on Google Keep. I love Google Keep because I love the little check boxes. It makes you feel accomplished. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I know you Capricorns. I know how we do it. You have never lied. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Speaking of Capricorns, so um, for our audience, um, Sahat is a, a very dear friend, but she's also my my birthday twin. Mm-hmm. We are definitely very much <laughs> Capricorns to the fullest. January, January 9th. 9th. <laughs> Repping hard. Repping in these streets. <laughs> exactly. And Stan, too, is a Capricorn. January 7th. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Don't talk yeah. about you dig. Out here. You know, out, here out here in these streets. Yes. In, in real, real life. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, and and one of the craziest moments I remember, um, and we talk about this all the time, was I believe we look we gonna sound like we balling right now. We were at a Grammy party, right? Uh, we were at a, a Grammy party at uh, I believe it was at the the Howard Theater, yes, it was. and um, it was you two and uh, yeah, Miran was uh, oh, yeah. they were chopping it up and they look all giddy about something, and come to find out she's also January ninth. 
So, you know, any January 9th people out there that's listening, (laughs) that's maybe a little bit younger trying to figure out if you're going to be great someday. Trust these three sisters are amazing. So you're in good company. Worry not. Thank you. You know, well, speaking of great. Yes. Okay, we're going to run your resume real quick on these awards. So she is a 2019 DC Arts and Humanities Fellowship Award recipient, a 2019 Tribe Fest DC Impact Award recipient, a 2018 Great Neighbor Award recipient, Grantee Diversity Fund recipient, Innovation Slam finalist, Social Media Week London Scholarship recipient, 2014 Ward 7 Women of Excellence Award, and the 2013 Awesome Grant recipient. Well, damn. You're going to read all of that? Yes. Bars. (laughs) Okay. Yes. All the bars. So what is what's next for Sahat Walker? What's 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 on the forefront? <laughs> oh my god! Well, <laughs> yeah, I told you the one thing: uh, yeah. transforming uh, the General Store Inc. Mm-hmm. is on the forefront. Um, you know, the Ashe Fund is still going, mm-hmm. trying to make that bigger. Definitely trying to solidify on the organizational development of it. Um, Cause I'm not an official nonprofit. Right. Um, and I don't know if I want to be, so that's just a battle I'm going through right now. Um, and I want to travel, like I said, I want to travel. I want to create art everywhere. Right. Um, and I want to do set design. I don't know. I'm into the set design thing. This like video work. Um, that's my new way of pushing some narratives out there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I guess I could share. I'm writing a musical. Okay. Dope. Um, I wrote two plays years ago. I put one out. It was called Black Girl. Um, but this is my first time writing a musical. Um, it might have some original music. It might be some recorded music. I don't know. But I'm mm-hmm. excited about that. Like I can see it very clearly. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah, I can't the- share the premise or the concept, okay. but it's going to be dope. Oh, I'm excited. We have no doubt. Will you be doing the set design for that as well? You said what? Will you be doing the set design as well? Oh, yes, definitely. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, that's going to be awesome. awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. So being in the times that we're living in um, with the pandemic and post-COVID, what do you see for as far as theater, especially since you're in the process of writing right now? Like, how has that, um, how have you had to pivot your plans or have you? Um, I don't know if in, I'm in a pivot space yet. Um, the only thing I'm really pivoting is the General Store Inc. I look at it as alignment. Um, I think I am pivoting in the fact that I don't want to do as much consulting individual artists anymore Mm. um because it was becoming more like a life coach (laughs) business coach uh field and i've i've done it enough where i'm like i'm good (laughs) like i can still like advise people and help them but it it's a lot and it could be like draining Mm -hmm. um so i'm trying to manage and navigate that. So I'm moving more away from that to like organizations or, you know, institutions, arts institutions or smaller organizations rather. 
um, and helping them grow. Um, yeah, after all of this is over, I just don't know. I don't know what this all will look like. I know a lot of stuff is going to be online that didn't used to be online. So I'm interested in seeing what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, and how it could be part of, part of helping small businesses who don't understand the online space, move them into that space. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm trying to integrate that into a service. Gotcha. So, yeah. But for myself, like as far as theater, I think theater, it might be online, just like any other creative content in that way. Like, I feel like, you know, any shows that are put on may not have an audience um, in person, mm. but there'll be an audience online. And maybe a lot of people have to start thinking that way. Yeah. You know? The yeah, one of the things I learned um, during this, uh, I know one of the challenges I've had as an artist that tours from time to time is that um, in this day and age where the Internet makes it so easy for you to access people around the world, a lot of us have like fractured fan bases, right? Like where um, you have a pocket of fans in this small city, a, a pocket of fans in this major city um, and it's sometimes difficult to be able to have a really successful event um, because, you know, you, you, I mean, you got about 50 fans in this one city and then the next city uh, you got two. And, yeah. and, um, and then in others, if you're lucky, you have a few hundred or a few thousand, but that's not most people. But the, the beautiful thing about this, this whole situation is I've seen a lot of people who have these fractured fan bases, who've been able to bring them together in this one space um, and turn uh, what would have been a local show into an international show um, and, and bring their audiences together. And so, you know, I feel like that's um, it's maybe an unexpected blessing uh, of the situation because we've technically had the means to do that. Right. Like this yeah. entire time. Um, but you see more people kind of making it more of an event and less of a, just kind of a leisure thing and really kind of doing it up from home. So that's been exciting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Now you had mentioned um, before about um, changing up your uh, service offering. Yeah. Um, one of the things I also saw that you, you were quoted as saying, I create for the love and for a living. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, they love what you do and want to do that themselves or want you to help them with their projects, mm -hmm. but then may not want to pay <laughs> for those services. <laughs> so how have you been able to navigate that whole process? Look, I tell them, you know, when we first meet, I mean, when our clients reach out to me or creatives, I tell them right away, hey, I've been on your side. And, you know, I struggle. I might not have my money look funny one week. My money might look great one week. So I get it. Mm -hmm. So I'm always telling them, like, I'm here to work with you. I'm here to work for you. But I also am doing the work. I'm doing the work. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to be paid. Right. It's that simple. Absolutely. And I've turned down a lot of people um, that just, they don't have it. And I'm giving you like over like three months to pay or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. our contract is, you know, 
I just have to stick to myself and my values, um, my monetary <laughs> values, and mm-hmm. and just say no. I yeah. love saying no now, and to even some organizations, to even mm-hmm. some businesses that may have money, and I know that you can pay what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't disrespect me and and say, oh well, what about this? It's like, no, I'm just, I'm just not going to take anything just because. Right. Like you have to value yourself and value your worth mm-hmm. um, and know what you're bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And no hard feelings. It's not personal. It's business. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. How would you say, because I noticed that for a lot of creatives, right? So you have the whole left brain, right brain. You have folks who just want to deal with the creative aspect, the creative side of the act of creating the art. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they do not um, focus or have the wherewithal to do handle the business side of art. Mm-hmm. And so how have you been able to balance the two? Are you talking about with uh, respect to the client or my own? For your own. Yeah, for your own. I don't know. I'm just a, a super organized person you know, and I'm also like creative. So for me, it's kind of easy, but I also live and I'm partnered up with somebody who, <laughs> who is who is also very super creative, but you know, he could, he manages his business cause he has to, but he doesn't like it. Right. right. Um, and I know that's a lot of artists. Like mm-hmm. they can, like their output is like, it's nonstop, nonstop mm-hmm. output. Um, and what I would say is just like, find somebody in your family amongst your friends. If you don't have a budget that can organize that for you, organize the business aspect, because it's so important. Like you need the marketing, you know, you need admin, you need Mm -hmm. all of that stuff in order for your business to grow and prosper. So just find somebody if you can't hire someone find somebody you know that you are like oh no I know she's a super organizer organizer or that person and have them help you that's it yeah absolutely find a kid you know find an intern (laughs) (laughs) a high school person that wants to be an apprentice that wants Mm -hmm. to learn from you yeah you know that you know there you can trust them with your business Um, but, but find somebody, if that's not your thing, that's not your wheelhouse, as they say. Gotcha. Sahat, thank you so much for taking the time out and sharing your, your story with us. We so appreciate you and, and are so looking forward to all the projects that you have coming in the future. Um, best of luck to you and we'll definitely be in touch. Yeah, keep rocking. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart Music. We'll see you soon, but talk to you sooner. Peace.